0: Stay connected. Sign up for our newsletter. Go beyond your favorite Voice America shows. Visit iradioblog.com.
1: The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.
2: Help! I need somebody. Help! Not just anybody. Help! You know I need someone. Help. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley.
3: Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. I'm a physician trained in Britain, living in Canada, and I've worked in the U.S. And since retiring from medical practice, I've become an activist for family caregiving. Now, our topic today is inclusion networking. From listening to family caregivers in previous episodes, here are some things I've learned about the importance of inclusion and networking. First, family caregivers want to know that they are not alone, they want to be included. They want to connect with other family caregivers. They want to be networked. They want to hear how other family caregivers have confronted the challenges of family caregiving. And final point from me is they want to help other family caregivers just starting out on the road of family caregiving. So to discuss inclusion networking, my guest today is Judith Snow. Now about Judith. Judith has the MA degree. She's a social innovator and an advocate for inclusion communities that welcome the participation of a wide diversity of people. She's a visual artist and founding director of Laser Eagles Art Guild, an organization making creative activity available through personal assistance to artists with diverse abilities. She has a background of 25 years of research, design and implementation, most notably working with the University of New Hampshire's Institute on Disability. There she provided the design for a post-intervention instrument and trained interviewers to perform an inclusive community environment. She participated in analysis and report writing with the National Home of Your Own Alliance. That's a 23-state technical assistance program funded through the U.S. Administration for Developmental Disabilities. She does all of this work out of a background of being labeled disabled herself. And some of her work on inclusion is documented at www.judithsnow.org. So, welcome to the show, Judith. Thank you. Now, I'm going to go straight over and start questioning you. (laughs) And the the first question is, please tell us more about your background, your career, and your life's work as an artist.
4: Okay. Um, I was born in 1949 and identified by the time I was 7 months old as having uh, complete quadriplegia from spinal muscular atrophy and I wasn't expected to live very long. So much of my story is about uh, first of all beating the odds and secondly not living up to other people's expectations that I would be seriously limited from quadriplegia and when I was about 6 my father told me a story of how doctors in California were killing children with Down syndrome, babies with Down syndrome because they felt that those kids would grow up to have a very limited quality of life so their life wasn't worth living. It was probably the first uh, incidence of euthanasia that I ever heard about. And uh, the of the story of that story is, um, I realized that, you know, for a six-year-old, I realized that I needed to take on people realizing that our lives are valuable and that we contribute to society and that we, uh, we are able to enjoy our lives if people give us half a chance. And of course, it's grown since then. I'm now 62 years old, but here we go.
3: Judith, what do you mean by inclusion?
4: Well, I like to think of it as valuing diversity. Um, well, basically, inclusion can be seen as the opposite of exclusion and that's a good definition obviously, but people find it difficult to, they can tell what exclusion is, but they can't necessarily tell what inclusion is. So I've struggled with it for decades and in the 80s and early 90s I was very, very struck by how people are always contributing something and very often people don't recognize the contributions that people have been labeled something or are making. So it, it became more and more for me about um, creating processes that show what people are contributing and also supporting people to value those uh, gifts and contributions.
3: You've already, you've already told us something about your childhood and how that brought you, if I may use the word, the determination yeah. uh, to be what you are. Uh, but I'm wondering now, please can you tell us what brought you to your belief in inclusion?
4: It's not um, a difficult thing. Because don't forget, I'm the person who's experiencing it. Uh, I just wanted to have a great life. When I was about 12, I remember being very, very pushed out of society. I was thrown out of brownies. I was stuck in the back of the church. I wasn't allowed to go out for recess. When I was at school, the teachers were saying, what's the point of educating this child? And it all kind of came together for me and I was very determined at that age that I would not only live but that I would enjoy my life and because I'm a person who is very passionate I have a lot of interests, I have a lot of energy and I couldn't imagine living in a very isolated and boring kind of way so to me inclusion is very, very fundamentally about living a full
3: life. Now, you've, you've mentioned the things that caused you to believe in um, inclusion and why it became so much part of your life and how it brought out your talents. And one of your talents is art, mm-hmm. right? Now, please tell us how and probably why you use art to advance
4: Inclusion. When I first discovered that there is such a thing as art facilitation, I was in the middle of a project to build supportive networks around people who are labeled developmentally disabled, particularly people who don't speak. So this, this connects with what you were saying about networking and I was finding that it was very difficult to get caregivers to do more than simply look for more services Uh, and fundamentally I felt that the reason was they didn't think it was that important to have the people they're caring for networked into the community their full concentration was on um, helping people and caring for people, so it's a bit of a conundrum. And I was trying to figure out how to break through because really, there's it—it it, it opens doors when people are seen as contributors. So there I was back in two thousand and three, and somebody came along and showed me that a facilitator can help you do art. And I thought this is the answer because if somebody who is labeled developmentally disabled or somebody who doesn't speak, say somebody has autism or something like that, if they're actually creating pieces of art, then it's undeniable that they're doing something in the world and that that thing has value. So it will become perfectly visible, I said to myself, it will be perfectly visible that these people are actually contributing to the society around them. And so I switched the focus of the project and turned it into Laser Eagles Art Guild.
3: Judith, I just want to respond back to you in this way. You stressed the point that to some extent in the past, perhaps largely, Uh, It was a matter of looking for help. And what you're saying, if I've understood you right, is that it's not just a matter of getting help. It's a matter of people who are have challenges of one form or another making contributions in the way that they can make them so that... they are seen as providing value and they feel that they themselves really are providing value. Now, have I got that right? And if I haven't, please put me straight.
4: Pretty much. Take it a a little bit deeper. Um, I I made a list in the 80s of all the contributions that people typically say a person is making, and I'm talking about people who are people who receive or who need 24 hours a day of support of some kind or another, so I'm talking about those people. I made a list of the things that people typically say privately this person is contributing. So the top two are it makes me feel happy to be with this person and this person is a really good listener. Now some of the other things that people typically are contributing are they support people to become better problem solvers and to learn uh, more quickly and more deeply. In In other words, for example, if we include a child who doesn't speak in a regular classroom, all the other kids around that child well, their academic standards go up. And this has been proven over and over again since 1985. So, not, you know, I don't want to belabor it, but the point is that people are already contributing to our world. But the way we frame disability, there's no way for us to say this is a contributing citizen. Right all we ever get to say is this is a person who needs my help Yeah,
3: Judith um, that's very clear but it's also a fact that we've come to the point where we do have to take a short break because as I always say we we have to pay the rent so (laughs) this is Dr. Gordon my guest is Judith Snow you're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety channel please stay with us we are definitely coming back
5: Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com.
2: Did you know that half of America's children will have at least one step-parent by the time they are 15 years old? Throughout history, children have been raised by step-parents, and that number continues to rise. Tune in to Step Wisdom with host Eleanor Alden for topical and historical research about the growing number of step-families and learn the do's and don'ts of patterns of family interaction. Almost all of us will have a step-relationship at some point in our lives. Tune in to Step Wisdom, Fridays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Variety. Do you feel as
0: if your life is just filled with random awkward moments? Believe me, you're not alone. Tune in every Friday for TAG, the Awkward Girl Guide with your host, Ashley Iola. Ashley has learned to own her awkward, and she guides you how to do the same. It's awkward, but it can be a lot of fun, too. We'll talk about relationships, sports, food, health, family life, and social life. Each show hopes to make you a bit more in control of your awkward. Tune in to TAG, the Awkward Girl Guide. Fridays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America variety channel
5: tune in for encouraging and motivational stories every week on minding your business living life beyond invisible barriers your host dr david a blender brings together guests from all walks of life who not only have found personal and professional success but who are committed to help you achieve success each week and with each story we strive to change the world a little bit at a time Minding your business, living life beyond invisible barriers, is broadcast live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com.
2: You know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at mymonami.com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite.
3: Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Judith Snow. Our topic is inclusion networking. So, let's talk more about inclusion and what it values. Judith, what does fundamentally inclusion value? And what value does inclusion create? And for whom does it create it? Judith?
4: Okay, I'm trying to think the best way to say this. It's like in our world, we've been taught that communities are made up of sameness. So all the people who play golf get together in a golf club or all the people who play bridge get together in a bridge club and that sort of thing. And when we look at life that way what we don't see is the value of diversity. But the fact is that everybody in that golf club plays golf differently or there wouldn't be a game. There would be no competition and nothing to learn. (laughs) and so on and so on. So, I'm saying all that to point out that diversity is fundamental to relationship and therefore fundamental to community and also fundamental to the economy. Okay, we got all that. So, now, here's a bunch of people who are very diverse in some particular set of ways and We can take what they offer in their diversities and build them into interesting opportunities for people. Just to give you a real quick example, some of the people who are art facilitators or trackers for the laser eagle artists have been students from a police college program here in Etobicoke. They get their community credits for working with our artists and we get people who are very interesting young people to work with to be our facilitators. Meanwhile, here's these people who are going to become police men and women on our streets who are getting a very, very deep experience of what it's like to be a vulnerable person in society and it peacifies the young people. So you get a better police person because they spent 40 hours or so tracking with an artist who doesn't speak. That's inclusion. It doesn't mean we all have to do the same thing. It doesn't mean that we all give or receive the same things at all. It means that we're doing life from the perspective of what are the different contributions that we actually can make and want to make.
3: It's that there's a diversity of contributions. Absolutely. Right. Now, you mentioned, you used the word opportunities. Um, How does inclusion bring opportunities? You've already outlined that to some extent, but I'd like you to say more about it. And for whom are these opportunities most valuable? Judith?
4: Well, the opportunities are valuable for whomever Whomever is involved in the situation. Uh, Just to give you a couple of quick stories, there's a young man with autism in a town in British Columbia who just loves to take apart and put together electronic devices. Now, through a process of networking, he got involved in a volunteer job. At the local community college, where they happened to have a whole room full of electronic devices that nobody had any time to repair. And you put them all back together, got them all in working order. So that's a contribution.
3: You see what I'm saying? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Now, the, in that sense, the would you go so far as to say that the opportunity for the young guy who repaired all the electronic things, yeah. that was value for him, but it was also value for the community in which he found himself, namely this place yeah. where they, they hadn't any time to mend the electronics. Yeah. So it's a two-way street, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Right. And you can
4: see how something like that could be built into a job so it also becomes part of the economic opportunity that's available
3: as well. Right. Um, I'm going to ask you the next question, um, which flows in slightly different uh, direction, uh, and it's this. Let's talk about the challenges that inclusion confronts and how these challenges are responded to. And What I mean by that is, is this, that... Um, There are challenges out there for people like that young man, for example, Mm -hmm. and I I wonder if you can give us some kind of sense of what these challenges actually are, and how um, inclusion confronts them, or how, in other ways, the challenges (laughs) are responded to. What do you think?
4: Oh, it's a big topic. Sure. Uh, I think that uh, probably the biggest challenge and many of the people who are caregivers will recognize this is that uh, we have become very isolated in society. We live in a society that doesn't value the um, the presence of people with diversity and so a lot of things that help people participate are not there, whether it's transportation or enough resources to uh, hire the people you need to support you or could be a million things that you can, um, you can mention. Uh, I was very interested in the Drummond report which came out just a couple of weeks ago and it's all about cost-effectiveness of the Ontario government and they actually point out that the the way we provide long-term services to people who need support are so fractured and so driven by the idea of disability, it's not cost-effective at all, so uh, that means there's a lot of money that goes into the system that doesn't end up being actually supportive to people. And just to say one more quick thing about that, I received money from the Ontario government that allows me to pay for my personal assistance. That makes me an employer of five people. That makes me a genuine economic opportunity in society. Now, if the money isn't directed that way, and very often it's not, it means that I don't get what I need to get out there and do things. And I'm not getting the kind of support of my family in the case of many of the people that we're talking to today. My family's not getting the kind of support it needs in order to live a truly inclusive life.
3: Judith, Family Caregivers, that's the name of this show. Why should they be interested in inclusion in the
4: way you've been describing it? There's so many reasons for it, but fundamentally it's that we have collapsed the idea of support with the idea of something like nursing. Um, So if somebody is very sick or if somebody is a a child like a baby, we expect uh, an adult, a mature adult person to provide life-saving care and often it's women and often family members will give up other parts of their lives in order to do this. But the issue for us is that that's not really what my life is like, or the life of somebody who has, let's say, Down syndrome or autism. That, that is the way I will be for all of my life. I'm not sick Because I have quadriplegia, that's just the way I am. A person who has Down syndrome is not sick, that's the way they are. So here we've collapsed illness and this other situation. So our family members are caught up in a process that isn't going to end over years and years and years. And so let me just give you my parents were very very intelligent about this when I was a teenager, they decided that when I went off to university, I wasn't going to get to live at home, and I wasn't going to get to come back to mom and dad if things fell apart. It seemed pretty harsh at the time, but it really worked well for me. And the reason it worked well is because everybody who knew me, including me, knew that we had to figure out how to make it work on a long-term basis. Uh, So I'm kind of going around the bush here. But the point is that support is required, but it needs to be networked into a situation where family members get to be family and don't have to be these supporters
3: 24-7. And I think what I'm going to come back to you with uh, just in a little moment or two that li- we're left with in this segment is people have abilities um, and making the best use of them, uh, even to the point where they, the person apparently with the disability, I know we don't like that word, is actually able to help others. Um, live their lives make the most of their abilities can make their contribution and be included mm-hmm. and you mentioned it as part of the workforce have I got that right? Yes,
4: right
3: yes, yeah and one of the exciting things about that is the way in which computers and all that goes with computers are starting to be really very helpful um, you know in communications and the very things that you and i are doing right now which is communicating Mm -hmm. and discussing and all the rest of it so we've now reached the time again where we have to take the break um this is dr gordon atley and my guest is judith snow you're listening to family caregivers unite on the voice america variety channel stay tuned we're coming back
5: Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Very rarely does our news media spotlight some of the good things that are happening in our world. For more of these good stories and the people that are creating them, Tune in to Bread for the Journey with Mariana Cacciatore. Whether these good acts stem from personal tragedy or just a desire to help out and make this a better world in which to live, you'll find inspiration in every week's program. Connect with those that are doing something great for a change. Listen for Bread for the Journey, Saturdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. How has your belief system been formed? Has it been based on others telling you what to believe? Do you desire to make changes in your life that you know will bring you deeper fulfillment? Tune in to The Ripple Effect with Catherine Cloward for your weekly dose of inspiration and encouragement. Whether it be in your business, personal relationships, or family life, this show will help you recognize and trust your intuitive knowing. Catherine and her guests will help inspire you to make fulfilling choices for your life. The Ripple Effect is her live every Thursday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Variety.
0: Each week, Jimmy Gould brings you the stories and the people that you want to hear about.
5: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Help,
2: you know I need someone.
5: Help. You are listening
2: to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to Doc G at mymonami.com. That's Doc Letter G at M-Y-M-O-N-A-M-I dot com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite.
3: Let's um, welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Judith Snow. Our topic is inclusion networking. So let's talk about communications and related ways of strengthening inclusion. Uh, Judith, you work in many places and many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, what are the contacts that you have with family caregivers? And can you say more on what they tell you about the challenges as they perceive them in dealing with or supporting or working with or caring for, whatever word, with family members with challenges of the kind you've been talking about? Judith?
4: Yes. I, it, it's, there's not one answer. There are a number of families in Ontario and you know, pretty much everywhere in the world, but let's talk about Ontario right now, who have recognized that inclusion is a more powerful road to go than, the, than simply concentrating on support issues. And so the kinds of concerns that those families have those families have are around um, where do you get support to plan uh, for how how your loved one is going to contribute to the community where do you get flexible funding so that you can hire the kind of people that will actually go out and be in the community on a one to one basis or in a way that Truly supports the person to be part of the community. Um, where do you um, how not where do how do you engage your neighbors and other community members in a way that they see that that uh, it isn't just help that's required, but actually opening doors and finding places for people to to uh, participate like what one woman I know really well in Mississauga has five I think five part-time jobs. She's a woman who doesn't speak and she goes one morning to a grocery store and and they sell flowers there so she takes care of the plants and she goes another day to uh, a hairdressing uh, salon and washes and folds towels. Um, but somebody has to figure out these things and set them up and um, make sure everything's going well. So who's mm-hmm. going to do that job, for example? Who's going to open those doors and who's going to keep it going?
3: Right. Now, it's the same question. But it's relating now to children with special needs, mm-hmm. and so what does inclusion mean for children with special needs? And how do you do you use that word with them? And if you don't, how do you explain it to them?
4: Sorry, may I explain it
3: to you? Yes, um, I'm wanting <laughs> to know how you, um, first of all, what inclusion means for children with special needs and how you explain inclusion to children and I'm not talking about just children with special needs but children generally Mm -hmm. is is that a word they use and if it isn't what word do you use
4: well I don't know what your experience with children is but generally you don't have to explain very much because they, uh, they get it right you know you have a kid First of all, inclusion really works when uh, education is inclusive and what I mean by inclusive education is that age mates are together regardless of ability and in order to make that work you need a cooperative educational strategy which allows the children, all the children in the class to participate in designing how they're going to do their own learning. Now, honestly, we could talk for hours about this. So, Sorry if it sounds truncated, but that's, it's a very big topic. So anyway, let's assume we have an inclusive yeah. classroom and along comes a kid who has a diverse life in some way. They're, they're cognitively different or they don't speak or they learn in a different way or maybe they're very anxious and have some behavior issues. Whatever it might be. So, it's not so much that you have to explain things to the kids. That's what you need to do is say, okay, here's an opportunity. This person, John or Joe or whatever, and John and Joe can usually speak to some extent for themselves." or Susan, right? Okay, how are we going to do our day in a way that we're getting the best out of everybody's participation here and uh, the kids come up with amazing ways. Um, uh, Just to give you a really quick story, there was a grade five classroom in a small school in Greeley, Colorado many, many, many years ago now and they included a young girl who had a very difficult form of autism and she used to like to bite and pull hair. Within three weeks, the kids had so supported her and so figured out how to get her to be less anxious that you couldn't, you could walk into the classroom and not realize there was a person in that class with autism. But the really interesting thing is that about a year later, There was a racial incident in the same school, and all of the kids surrounded the the kid that was involved and supported him and the parents got together and supported his family, and they figured out how to get him to repair the damage he'd done and they supported the family to deal with the family issues that had made this kid really anxious to start with. And somebody asked the principal, How did you know how to deal with this situation? And he said, well, it was because of the girl with autism that we had included in our grade five class. She taught us how to be inclusive.
3: Right. Very powerful story. Now, talking about stories, Judith, you've actually had a play written about you. Yes. (laughs) What's this play? And where does it take us, you know, in the sense of uh, what message does it give us? And key question, should family caregivers see it? Judith?
5: Well,
4: absolutely you should see it, but unfortunately there isn't a production of the play ongoing right now, but we're hoping to remount it um, in the summer, maybe in Hamilton. Uh, It's called The Book of Judith, and it's based on a true story of a point in my life when I asked one of my uh, friends if he would help me find the lover. And I ended up having a play instead of a lover. (laughs) (laughs) Great. It's a bit of a musical comedy. But it also has inside of it um, a lot of the themes about how we uh, stereotype disability and create barriers in our society. Uh, And inside the play, we have a choir that isn't inclusive so people with all different abilities are in the choir and I love the play particularly because the people who are in the choir really get to struggle with what does it mean to be inclusive in their own lives. Uh, So even though the play is great, I think putting on the play is even better for the choir members.
3: Are the actors in the play people with persons with any kind of um, special needs?
1: Well, in the choir, yes. Yeah.
3: Okay, very good. Yeah. Um, so we'll find some way of communicating and broadcasting the news that the play is back on. Um, okay, okay, Because it sounds to me as though this is definitely something that family <laughs> caregivers should see. Now, I yeah. just want to make a quick comment back to you um, about the use of what we're doing now, social media. Yeah. And this is... This is just me saying that these communications using computers are starting, I think, to be very important. That is to say, uh, I've interviewed, and this won't surprise you in the least, someone on this show who has no voice. Uh, But he was able to talk to me thanks to his computer. And, um, you know, children, you mentioned autism. Children with autism, many of them do extremely well with computers, I know mm-hmm. of one, for example, that uh, has got a degree. Um, he's what's called a scholar and he's learned a great deal thanks to the computer. So mm-hmm. we need to look at technology as a way to help. With the kind of situations you're talking about. Yeah. Now, once again, it's time to take the short break. This is Dr. Gordon Allen. and my guest is Judith Snow. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stay tuned. We're coming back.
5: News. Opinion your voice counts call toll-free 1-866-472-5787 1-866-472-5787 voiceamerica.com tune in to the hoffman connection for inspiration a life of passion and purpose Hosts Raz and Grossi and Ed McLoon will bring you ways to remove the blocks in your life that are holding you back. Along with their guest experts, Raz and Ed will use their experience and expertise to help you learn to get closer to what matters to you most, and by doing so, improve your life and the lives of others. The Hoffman Connection can be heard live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Come back to your senses. Imagine a radio show that will help you recover your common sense. Host Leah Brenda Smith is a health and wellness specialist who will explain techniques designed to help you recover from the stress of your life. It's all about how you respond to your thoughts. A little bit of self-awareness can go a long way in helping you to relax and enjoy your life. Tune in to Come Back to Your Senses Radio, live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses
1: in the brain inspired really fast.
5: All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You know I need
2: someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to doc g at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at M-Y-M-O-N-A-M-I dot com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite.
3: Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Judith Snow. Our topic is inclusion networking. Uh, Let's talk about the future for inclusion and inclusion networking. Judith, who in our society needs a better understanding of inclusion and what needs to be done to improve their understanding?
4: Well, everybody needs a better understanding of inclusion. Uh, Okay, what needs to be done? Well, as I said before, I'm very hopeful about the German report because although they started off by having a mandate to get rid of the government's deficit and cut back on government spending... One two things that they came up with which are very, very pro-inclusion. One is that the way we provide supports to people right now in long-term care situations is, is not at all cost-effective either for seniors or for people with disabilities and they said that when we provide more individualized and person-centered support, it's more cost-effective. And what I mean by cost-effective, and we've done research on this, is that you get more participation in the community and a greater variety of participation in the community and you get better health outcomes, sorry, better health outcomes when the dollars flow directly to the person or the family involved so that they can hire the people they need They can be flexible about how the support is provided. So there's a whole area just in there of us learning how to be more inclusive. Right. And then there's a whole area around how do you actually take benefit from the different ways that people participate? Like what would you do with somebody whose greatest gift is they make other people feel happy? Yeah.
3: You know, I would want to say more about that still, and that is this question of sort of where the money goes in health care. But that's mm-hmm. going, we've not a lot of time left, and that mm-hmm. will gobble up what's left. So I'm going to keep quiet, but I must say I strongly agree with you. Mm-hmm. Now, what do you want to see done to promote more inclusion for children uh, and their family caregivers?
4: Well growing in one of the greatest frustrations of my life and I'm being absolutely honest with you about this, it's been known in the literature, in the scientific, the educational literature, it's been known since 1985 that inclusive education improves academic outcome for all children, not just the kids that have been labeled something, but all children. And we have one school board in Ontario who's been adamant about inclusion and that's the Hamilton District uh, Southern School Board and they can prove with statistics that inclusion improves academic results for all kids. And yet in the province of Ontario and in Canada in general, we have not been able to get inclusive education on the map. We still have segregated classes, we still have segregated resource systems, we have teachers who do not get to learn how to teach an inclusive classroom. They go right through the university teacher training programs without ever learning how to do inclusion and it's so backwards compared to what's possible. I just, you know, I. I can eat my arm, I swear. I get so frustrated.
3: Right. Now let's translate that into a call to action. What's your message, Judith, for family caregivers about inclusion and inclusion networking? What do you want to say to them to give them that, share your passion about it with them, so that they start to take the kind of action that you think is needed? What's your message? <laughs>
4: Uh, reach out to people who are already, including the person that they're caring for, in the community in a in a way that that person gets to participate as a as a person who's contributing. Reach out, hear the stories. There are many ways. There's the um, individualized funding coalition of Ontario. Where you can find their website. There's um, the Integration Action Group, which is a group of families that have supported inclusive education uh, for since 1984 in Ontario. There's the Marshall Forest Centre, which also, I think the website there is inclusion.com, where there's a, a truckload of resources about inclusive education and inclusive community there's my website judithslo.org but reach out and and find out how does it actually work because it does work Yeah.
3: just a supplementary question what do you want to say to the government what's your message for the government which has the money which is being challenged um, over what it does with the money? What's your message for it?
4: Well, read the draft report, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and then and then do it because you're already paid for it. So do the, do the
3: recommendation. Right. I should we just all deserve this. right. I should just quickly explain to <clears throat> our. Um, for listeners who aren't from Ontario, and that is that the Drummond Report was commissioned by the government to say where the cuts should be made, mm-hmm. um, and they're just now, the government is just now struggling um, to figure out what cuts, if any, they're going to make to deal with the deficit which affects here, as it does so many other places. Um, I just want to comment back to you in this way. Um, Judith, I hope that this... Um, social, piece of social media that you've just been doing now will be one way that will be a little bit helpful to you and to people like you in getting the message across. I wanted to say something else, that if you would have other things that you want to discuss, or there are people you know who would like to discuss, I want to say to you, and this is the only tribute I can really make to you, is uh, I would love to welcome you again as a guest um, because, A, you're an example, B, you've got ideas, and, three, you've done it. That is to say, you've not only been there, you've done it. You've uh, you showed um, that um, all the prognostications were wrong, weren't they? You've shown yeah. that you've got your Master's of Art degree, you've led... You've shown, you've demonstrated what inclusion does, you understand its values, and you're able to use social media of the kind that we're now talking about in a most effective and convincing way. So, thank you. first of all, thank you. Secondly, let's do it again. And thirdly, sure. right, I hope that everybody's listening uh, will support. What are all the things that Judith has been talking about? Take them to heart and put them into practice. So I'm afraid the time has come where we have to close. Uh, I want to say thank you to our listeners. And I want to say thank you to Judith. Uh, But it's more than that. It's You've talked with us about how you overcame the things that you had to overcome, went beyond turned it around and started to reach out to other people, to reach out to other people who are being challenged, to reach out with a very clear sense of what needs doing, so that your value, and you've been talking about value a lot in this community, Mm -hmm. the broader community, is something that I can only stand in awe of. and I wish that I, in my career, had made kind of contribution you have so I mean that very sincerely with a great thank you and a plug for Family Caregivers Unite, let's get out there and support you now,
4: thank you, I appreciate
3: it very much you're welcome, now in our next episode we're going to be talking about a Merck manual for family caregivers please join us same, uh, same time same spot on the internet talk to you then